I'll try to talk less this time. And Alex, no, actually, I, I guys, like how much Alex, Anthony, guys, just kind of jump in there. You guys are so polite. If I could do that. <laughs> I just meant to say that earlier. God love you. But I mean, make your points, man. <laughs> I think, well, I think, I think the, the main the main yeah. reason why is because like Anthony and Alex get a lot of talk time on this show. And since you're not always here, I think they're trying to give you space for your voice. You guys are such gentlemen. I appreciate yep. you guys. I do. And but it's I, I just, possible because Alex and I talk so much during the week that we actually work out the more talkative parts of our points like before we record. I say you say you guys get the refined <laughs> versions. Yeah, you don't get there, like there's like a two hour. <laughs> <laughs> I remember me, me and Alex used to have conversations like yeah, that until I got it busy. helps this show. That we we work out the we sand off the rough edges ahead of time. I, I like what you guys present because you guys really did bring the facts hard and heavy. And I like that we didn't always agree, but we had our points to make. And yep. well, I think we agree, but it's just that you know we had to come out. It had to come out through the discussion. I well, I think that's the thing. I, I think that's partially what I appreciate about this group is that in many situations we do agree, but we don't always agree about how to get there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that opens up a lot of like like general, like nice disagreement. Whereas if you disagree with the overall situation that that creates uh, some not so nice disagreement, especially when it's recorded. <laughs> well, and so, like, as you guys have seen by now, I tend to skew more legalistic in a lot of things. Yes, you, you do. As Alex, but I like Alex, that. As, as I, Alex will tell you, he hates it every day we were talking I, about like but the law he's like oh I, but i like that well i don't but i do you know what i mean because somebody right. somebody has to be that person and then you get dumped on and it's really beautiful actually no, I'm just... I, <laughs> yeah i mean but actually just you feel me alex yeah. i depress alex like every week it's like but the law and he's like but i hate the law <laughs> this is this is important they, like do they not like does does no you see it right you see it oh i see it all right like, okay but burning crosses seriously <laughs> They can burn across on was, your lawn and you can't was, shoot them. So it, hey. was, it was amazing. It was it was literally like it was. I, I I've had this conversation three times now, and every time uh, like having it with someone just been like, yeah, so you know, burning crosses, you know, like not 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 provoking, and then they immediately respond with, but what if a Nazi walks through a Jewish? And I was like, they did that case, same verdict. And it's like no, that you you. Get too far because we need just like a dose like a hit of, like a dose of comedy like dark comedy <laughs> i will note the absolute hilarity of conservative clarence thomas being like yo that shit is provoking oh my gosh <laughs> i so yeah. wanted to i, mean, I wanted to say like, something clarence i'm conservative but i'm a black man and that shit I will. I was like, did he? When did he recognize? That's curious. But anyway, yeah. my yep. brother laughed his ass off. He was like, Clarence was like, he was the one person on the court who was like, no, no. And I, and that's I, provoking speech. I say, and I went back to our previous statement. And I was like, I hate agreeing with Clarence Thomas, but uh, God, in this instance, this one time, bro, he was bro. just straight up like, he was what just is wrong right. with y'all white people? Yeah, yeah. what's wrong with like, y'all? <laughs> yeah. Well, his wife had something different to say, but that's for a different, yeah. <laughs> I never, I yeah. I, I was like, simul somehow, simultaneously, <laughs> laws have become way too, like, way too liberal mm -hmm. and way too conservative. And it's just like this really terrible mix. And it's like, what, what, what happened? You, right. you were supposed to stop them from doing this. And you were supposed true. to stop them from doing this. Right. What happened? The liberals and the, like, and, and, want to, and the, and the conservatives let you carry guns. It's like, no. And one of me. my right, and one of my first legal classes, they used to say law was about establishing order. But it seems clear to me now that law is about establishing power. And that is how it has been used. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's therein lies the problem. I'm sorry. You're good. Okay, we can start whenever you're ready. Are, are we ready to get started? Is everybody ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then we will, let me start our timer. All right. And we will get started in three, two, one. 
Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we talk about news featured on our social media pages and other places as well. We try to find news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today are Alex Trohanan, our data analyst, uh, the host of Smart Politics, Anthony Arnold, and Francine Dash herself, the boss lady of Point Cast. Everybody bow down. How you guys doing today? Uh, well, I was doing better before I was just told to bow. <laughs> There'll be none of that, I presume. I, this is the wrong bow. group. This is the wrong bow. group. I yeah, bow before President, John, President Hyde and that's about and it. Queen Dash. So <laughs> I don't know how much I like any of this. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, President Hyde and Queen Dash, I'm just saying. It has a ring. It has a ring. It has a ring. Yeah, we're in there. They're catching on. They're catching on. Yeah. (laughs) They'll get it. It's okay. So, which one of us is the prince and which one of us is the jester? Mm, No jesters in this. (laughs) Well, I think somebody shot the jester. Um, Do you like it to pick? So okay, was it a self was it self-defense at least? It was self-defense. It was clearly self-defense. I'm so glad you asked. Too soon. Yes. Too soon. <laughs> That's a joke. We, Cleared we of all charges, yes. Anyway, um <laughs> let's, there, let's there it was. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Let's go ahead and get started. So Alex, talk to me about some trans buddy. All right. Well, it's that time again. Oh, is it? It is. Where we oh, talk man. about vaccination rates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's we're actually to, pretty good. <laughs> uh, we're up to 73.4% of um, uh, adult, uh, say, of eligible uh, people with at least one vaccination. That's that good. totals to uh, two, um, uh, what is that? 229 million people in the United States. Great that's, that's work, everyone. That's Starting to really, really uh, drive that number up. It's good. Um, we have also ex- uh, recently expanded the number of people eligible for vaccines. Um, the CDC is now rec- uh, okayed and recommended. Uh, the Pfizer and um, uh, Moderna vaccines for children between the ages of 5 and 11. Nice. So go out and get your children vaccinated. And they have okayed boosters. for. uh, They are suggesting uh, boosters for anyone um, above uh, the ages of 50 years or old, for Moderna and Pfizer, anyone above the age of 50 years or older, or um, 18-year-olds or older with like a long-term, like a a compromising condition. Um, and if you got the, uh, the they say they recommend it at least six months after you finished your uh, your other vaccine. And uh, if um, if you got the Johnson and Johnson, uh, there anyone above the age of eighteen who has passed at least two months uh, since their uh, injection uh, should get a should get a booster. Um, I will also note uh, with the Johnson and Johnson. They found that the longer between your initial injection and the booster, the more powerful the booster was. Hmm. Uh, and uh, they are now getting, you know, uh, with the booster, they're actually finding numbers uh, similar, if not superior, to the Pfizer and Moderna. So interesting. Hmm. Now, uh, let's go ahead and get into the meat of what I want to talk about today, Anthony. Let's talk about this poll. Poll. So as always, our polls drop Friday on our social media pages, Facebook. Uh, We really love to interact with you guys there. So if you see our polls, comment on our page. You can always find myself, Josh, Francine, um, not Alex. He's not on Facebook, but you can always find us. We, We love to interact with you guys. So our poll from October 22nd. So this is a bit of an older one. Uh, the top question was, should bystanders be held criminally responsible for either not intervening or not calling 911 immediately when directly witnessing a crime? So then we go through, we lay out the George Floyd murder, uh, where there were people who criticized the bystanders in that case for not intervening. Uh, several months before, 
there was a uh, an Asian man was beat up on a New York train. The attacker walked away in full view of everyone. Uh, but there was video, and there was video of people not doing anything to either stop the attack or calling. And then a few days before we posted the poll, there was a woman who was raped on a train in Philadelphia, and no one intervened nor called police. A train worker saw what was going on uh, and did contact authorities. Um, some people were, were apparently, it seems, even recording, but didn't do anything. And the... Uh, Transportation people in that case were very upset. So again, we asked if you were any of these victims, what would you like to see happen? And then again, should bystanders be held criminally responsible for either not intervening or not calling 911? So uh, I responded in the comment section, but obviously I'm going to get to my answer as we go through. But we'll start off and uh, I'm going to go Josh, then, then Alex, and then Francine. So Josh, Hit me, man. So this is, I don't remember if I responded to this or not, but I, I, I remember thinking this was very tricky because like criminal charges of like witnessing crime and not reporting it feel like a dangerous precedent. However, I do think there should be some kind of like social responsibility for people to like step up and help others if they see that something is happening or to like report things to the authorities if that's relevant. Like, I feel as though if I'm someone who was like witnessing a shoplifter at like Walmart, I'm gonna talk to somebody at Walmart about the fact that I, I've seen someone shoplifting. Like, I, I feel as though like I have a personal responsibility to the world around me to like attempt to stop things that I would like to stop or I would like to not have happen in this nation. But at the same time, I feel like criminal charges for not doing that is going to be like, until we fix our justice system, that that's going to be problematic, in my opinion. But I don't necessarily think that it's a, it's a terrible idea. I think that it's not feasible with our current justice system. All right. Uh, Alex, you're up next. So didn't we cover this already? Um, so uh, 19, in March 13th, 1964, uh, New York woman by the name of uh, Catherine uh, Genovese um, was uh, raped and murdered. Um, two separate attacks, like two separate events, then, you know, separated by time. Um, same person, but uh, as I say, was uh, attacked, you know, near, uh, near her home in uh, Kew Gardens, Queens. New York City, um, and police found that 38 people had seen or heard the attack. None of them did anything. And uh, I will, I, I will recall that that this gets uh, like kind of what like jo you know what Josh was mentioning is like so what it, what do we want people to do? Do we want people like do we want people to take the law into their own hands and to uh and to like directly inter like interfere and if they do do that and something happens who's who's responsible um say uh i witness what i think is a crime and i get involved um and uh maybe i say maybe i rough the other guy up uh and then he has to go get medical treatment am i civilly culpable for his medical treatment am i criminally culpable for assaulting him and these these are questions that um we don't have answers to we don't have protections for and like there's not a there's not a clean there's no way of clean cutting that there's no way of casing that it, it, this whole situation is just untenable all right <laughs> uh yeah okay francine you're on the hot uh, seat yeah yeah let me try to break this down a different way so let's start with the george floyd thing since that was brought up the criticism there yeah. was that uh people were criticized for recording particularly the young lady who recorded the event and not actually doing something so that kind of leads to alex's question what do you want people to do what was she to do the police were the problem in this case so is she going to call more of them um, uh, someone may have, I don't recall the situation, but 
that that's a difficult one because she and others were doing what they felt they had the power to do. And that was to document the situation, which turned out to be a good thing long term, but not so much for George Floyd. The situation where the a young man, there was an Asian man attacked in a train and there was a fight. And this man was ultimately knocked unconscious. This person was not masked. He was in full view of other people. So this is a dangerous active case right in front of people. So what my mind, I don't want people to insert themselves, but everyone sees what's going on. And this man walks out in front of everyone, but no one called the police. So I guess my expectation then in this case is that someone does that. Now, the, the challenge here is fear. No one wants to have this happen to them. And the other side of it is that we have this strong no snitch thing that is just pervasive uh, among people in general. And um, mind your own business type of thing, it's not my problem or whatever. And that, that causes a breakdown because we can't have laws without participation from everyone. We all have to participate in whatever way we can in order for the laws to work. And oddly enough, that is what happened in George Floyd's case. There was participation enough to help bring about justice in that case. There was no participation for the young man, the young Asian man on the train. And for the woman who was raped, if people had the gumption to take out their phones to take video, they could have dialed 911 with that same phone. So, I mean, I, what I'm basically saying is it depends on the situation. If you can help without inserting yourself or causing any additional harm, whereby you're contacting the proper authorities to help to monitor or bring that situation to an end, then I think we certainly have a social responsibility to do that. And the question is, how do you compel people then because that's totally voluntary. And one way some people have suggested is creating some sort of criminal charges around it. I am not totally comfortable with that, although I do get it. And that question came up really with the situation where the woman was so clearly uh, and obviously being raped in front of everyone and screaming for help. I mean, I just couldn't imagine being there and being okay. You know, so uh, the police officers were very, very upset. And one of them, I think, just made a flippant remark about holding others responsible and that everyone who was there and witnessed it should be just expletive ashamed of themselves and so on. And, and I agree with him. He's absolutely right. They should be. Um, I don't know the right answer, but I know in this case, I think it's worth having the discussion so we can get to some answers because we're getting wilder as a country. Yes. Um, and if we don't have healthy participation from our citizens, vigilantism is going to increase and more crimes like this are going to increase. Um, not just of these specific kinds, but just in general. And police can't be everywhere unless we call them. They're not gonna know where to go. All right. Or at least if, uh, if they knew where to go all the time, that would be a completely separate problem. <laughs> right. You have a different set of issues then. Um, I'll give my answer. The answer I gave on the Facebook page is that I, I wish that people uh, would intervene, especially in the case where someone's being raped or you know, murdered, um, but that I didn't think the law could do it. I don't. This one has generated a lot of sort of internal like conflict in me i wasn't super sure about my answer when i gave it i'm less sure today but for the purpose of discussion i thought i would you know sort of put one on the page um i don't think you can have any situation where citizens physically intervene i still think that's tolerable um and that is a cold comfort to victims and i understand that but the government has to have a monopoly on violence. It just has to. Any society where citizens can intervene with violence is a, it just it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, citizens don't know the facts. The reason why justice comes later is because you can gather the facts that led it to this in the situation. But in the moment, you don't actually have the facts. So how can you even know 
what side you're intervening on. I mean, um, what if you, what if, you know, you, you see somebody getting beat up and you go, oh, I should intervene to help the person getting beat up. But what you don't realize is that this person had tried to like rob the other person and they're getting their ass kicked, but you don't know that. All you see is a person getting beat up, right? So who do you intervene? Well, citizens can't possibly know that. We have no way of knowing that. So a lot of times we don't know the facts of a lot of situations. Even though we think we do, we don't. And as Alex mentioned, we have no legal protections when you intervene and you can't give them to people because the law can't give legal protections for citizens like taking the law into their own hands. Like, like that's just not a thing you can really build into the system in any in any way that makes your society function, like it's not going to continue functioning at that point. So I landed sort of where you did, Francine, uh, as I rethought it through, I think people should call the authorities. Now, this is tricky. We're in a time now where a lot of people don't like calling the authorities, where they're unsure of calling the authorities. Yeah. Frankly, we, we, we are now having this, we've seen a lot of discussions about should white people ever call the cops on black people? I've seen that play out in headlines and national media sources. They think they are doing something good by suggesting that white people should never call the cops on black people because of the fear that a black person could be killed by the police if the police respond. But what they are suggesting is that even if a black person is committing a crime, you should not call the cops on them. That is not a tenable situation. Mm. <laughs> like the suggestion that, oh, this black person is clearly robbing his house, but I don't want to call the cops because the cops might shoot them. Well, your society can't have that either. Right. That's not going to work for the people who own the house. <laughs> They're going to be like, why didn't you call them? I thought the Especially if it's them. my house. That's cool, but now my house is robbed. <laughs> right. So the solution goes back to the government has to have a monopoly on violence, and the government has to exercise that right in a way that is fair and responsible. Because the minute they start being seen as illegitimate, um, there's no one to do the job and they are the only ones who can do the job. They've only, they've, they're the only ones who've ever been able to do the job. So that's where I land. I, I, I hope people call the cops. If they don't, I don't think you can call. I don't think you can charge them. Um, as people will know by now from having heard me on this, on this pod before, I am generally skeptical of giving the government more power to just in general, not because I'm like a crazy conservative, but because I, uh, that power is too frequently turned against people. And if you're a progressive, it is actually normally turned against you. So like, I think progressives should be very skeptical of turning more law enforcement power over to, uh, to, to, to police or the federal government or the FBI. So that's sort of where I land. I don't want it to be a criminal thing. I think you should call the cops. Um, and, I, and, I, and I really don't think you can have any situation where citizens can physically step in I don't think that's a tenable situation for very long. So um, this was a complicated poll mm -hmm. question. I think our audience will pick up on that. I think they heard in our four answers that like you could go a lot of directions and that this is inherently a really complex question. Correct. Um, so as I mentioned up at the top, every Friday, poll questions drop. Please respond on our page. Um, and you can get into complicated uh, morality debates <laughs> with us. Uh, we love those. So, Josh. Um, I would say that we, I think that all of our answers, at least to this, are interesting because it's, it's clear that we all want something to happen, but there's, it, we're not quite sure exactly what that thing should be because of all the reasons why one particular answer isn't correct because calling the police all the time isn't always correct because if the police are the problem who then do you call um getting involved isn't always correct because as you mentioned um we may not always know the facts if somebody's getting beat up but actually deserves to get beat up like me stopping them from getting beat up is actually kind of a problem but i think that there are certain scenarios in where people people should clearly understand that something is wrong and at the very least intervene either to get more information or otherwise. Like if a woman's being assaulted, I feel like regardless of the situation, that assault should stop, period, point blank. Like that is, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So like in any scenario, I feel like that should have been, you know, 
stepped in, reported, literally anything. I think the, the issue is the fact that we have in many ways lost our sense of community. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about in this pod. Um, effectively, that these scenarios are failures of a community. And I'm talking about like us both as a broad American community and several of our microcosm communities in local areas and otherwise. Um, I know one thing that's happened a lot on this podcast is that we've talked uh, in, in many ways about how like when we're, you know, when things are going wrong, like I know you said this a lot yourself, Anthony, about how the, the community needs to step up. Like we need to be effectively the change we wanna see both in our government and from our elected officials. And I wanna kind of dive into that a little because I think in many ways that can become the solution for situations like these. But obviously a lot needs to change for that to be relevant. So I'm gonna call this like the four step, don't, don't, you, don't you start. Don't you start with me. I see you rolling your eyes at me. Uh, I'm going to call this my four-step plan to make America better. Not exactly great, but make it better and hopefully prevent situations like these from continuing to happen. Is this anything like Build Back Better? I'm just trying to... Get <laughs> I want to just know where I'm... Yeah, never mind. Well, like every every time, like I say something about making America like better, I I naturally want to say make America great again as a joke. But I know that many people actually see that phrase as problematic, understandably so. And uh, I just like pointing out that because anytime I can post one at the big orange, I absolutely will. Now, um, <laughs> moving on to my my first point, um, I think. Like first and foremost, for any community to work, America and otherwise, like we need to be willing to help each other. Um, I think that being, being, uh, what's the word? I don't wanna say apathetic, cause that's not exactly what I'm looking for, but being stagnant in a situation where you, where you see people are like actually either struggling or, you know, dealing with something and being stagnant in that scenario, I feel like isn't something that a community needs to do. Like we we as a whole need to care about the safety and well-being of every piece of the community. Otherwise the community is not safe and well. And relating that back to the articles or relating that back to the poll, like I feel as though if we had a better police community, George Floyd would have never happened. I feel like if we had a better community in Queens, that, that Asian man, or at least, that the person who beat up that Asian man would have been brought to justice. I feel like if people actually cared about the woman being attacked, somebody would have done literally anything about it. I, I, I can't help but feel as though all of these things are particular failures on the, on the behalf of the communities that they happened in. And I believe that first changes if we can get the community to care about itself. So how do we do that? That's a great question. <laughs> well, well, I think in uh, the most recent New York mayor's race, the guy who lost was Curtis uh, Sliwa. Now, I don't know if everybody's familiar with him. Uh, if I had to guess Francine, you would probably be most familiar with what he did before, which was he founded the Guardian Angels in New York. Mm -hmm. So the Guardian Angels were a sort of unarmed group who would patrol the subway. This was there in the 80s at like the height of New York's just crime like mm -hmm. issues. And they were unarmed civilians who would just sort of be there. They'd walk the streets, they'd stand on the subways. Now, there was controversy. I'm not going to claim the group was perfect. He's not perfect. But, I mean, his solution to like what happened on the Philly subway or what happened on New York subway was like, look, um, just be there like you need citizens who are just there to basically kind of look intimidating. Um, that was his solution. Now, that was a you know, the Panthers had similar solutions in the '60s. They had a similar solutions about how to protect black communities. Obviously, again, these groups are problematic. But that was one suggestion. That's one people have come back to repeatedly, and I think they've come back to it repeatedly for a reason. Because I suspect everyone realizes that on some level, uh, a community needs 
this kind of force on some deep level. So that's a potential solution, as crazy as it sounds. It's been tried before. So I ended at this with my response to the like response to the poll question, talking about like you know legal like the legal legal ramifications and such. And I, again, like Anthony said, I understand why you can't, you can't offer like legal immunity to people like to people interfering, right? Like that, that's that's again just an untenable position. Um, what you need is kind of what what uh, you're like you're talking about is. Well, you need to care about the people in your community. And then in response, if you it's a people in the community kind of gets to, uh, res, you know, um, like when they're called to, hey, uh, you interfered in this thing. And uh, let's say, and uh, you've stopped, let's say you uh, stopped a, uh, you stopped a rape, you stopped an assault. Um, you're going to be tried and we're just going to find you not guilty. I mean, these ideas are cool and all, but what about, what if you're the rape victim? What if you're, how do you stop the next George Floyd? How do you stop a guy on a train from being beaten unconscious? It's, the reality is that uh, this, this the, the part where we're just wanting to expect people to do the right thing, and we, we, it sounds like we're trying to guilt people into community, but that, that doesn't usually work either. What is that? No, it doesn't. You uh, you want to do community building? You do you have to. You, there's only historically there's only one way. You you just kind of you just have to go out there and do it. Um, you have to hit the you have to hit the pavement. You yep. have to. Well, I say, oh, look, um, I don't I don't interact a lot. I say a lot. None of us like interact with the larger member of our members of our community. I have so we change neighbors every couple of years and we've known a couple of them fairly well but like we kind of you know keep to ourselves you don't want to invite strangers into your home you don't want to be invited into a stranger's home like say if you do say if you i say if you're where you live in an apartment complex uh if you own an apartment complex know what your know what your job should be like part of your job is maintaining the like maintaining the neighborhood and that means you do neighborhood things once a month, we're going to do a cookout and we would like everyone to show up and we would like everybody to participate. Um, and we're going to do games. We're going to do activities. There'll be things for the kids and we're going to community build. So that, that is actually what I was going to lead into next. When you first asked me the question, Francine, how do you make people care? Um, that effectively was part of my answer. Now, to get into what you were saying previously, um, I don't think you can necessarily stop the next George Floyd without sweeping fundamental change in how, like, the police handle things, but not even just talking about the police. I don't necessarily think you can stop crime. I think we can protect people from the ramifications of crime as a community. Like, Joe Schmo is always going to get mad enough to beat up Joe Schmo. Like, there's not really anything that a community can do to stop that aggression. However, maybe we can stop Joe Schmo's victim from getting knocked unconscious. I think that's effectively what we need to do is stop the lack of intervention. Because in many situations, if something or someone intervened, the situation would not have ended the way that it did. And we need people to intervene. Now, um, one of the things that I've, I, I, did a, I did a bunch of research for particularly this podcast because I, I really wanted to like dive into what people thought built communities and the most common things that were always thrown in or like brought up were like things to effectively unite people. And I know that most commonly this happened with the church. That was usually the place where people gathered as a community and made a lot of community things happen. It happened at the church. Now, the church itself has been playing less and less of a role in most people's lives as of late because of all the problems associated with being a church. And so um, 
most communities that still exist and thrive now uh, usually do so through some other means, some other method of identity, as it were. Um, basically, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a religion, or it could be, I guess, uh, some other place of faith, but there just needs to be an aspect that people can gather around, people can get behind. Um, and a, a lot of like community efforts generally tend to run in like very specific interest groups, like concerned parents about AIDS or other things along those lines. Like that's where you see the most action happen because those are groups of people usually defined by a particular purpose that want to enact change in their local community. And to be honest, like Alex said, that's really where it starts. Like th there's really no other way to change the community other than getting to know it and getting the community to know each other. And that's usually the hardest part is to get everyone together to some degree and get them to know, understand, and to care about each other. I mean, that, that was literally the whole point of being like the invention of insurance. It was like a, a thing that farmers used to do to protect themselves from like barns burning down. So that way they, they had like community funds that they would use to like rebuild things after tragedies. So like these have worked before and granted they, a lot of them have been twisted to things that they don't necessarily need to be. But I do believe there are several ways that either small concerned groups can enact change, or we can apply these same principles to a community as a whole and make things better. We've seen, uh, I, I think we've, we've seen very similar results to like getting notable like members of sports teams to endorse products and that increases product sales, right? Like if we can have like a commercial playing in Indiana about someone on the, the Indianapolis Colts, like talking about how we need to, you know, speak out against crime. I feel like that would, that's something, right? People, people know the Colts, people care about the Colts. Using that platform to enact change in some major way is tenable in my opinion. I think that's very doable. I think I have an issue with some of what you brought up and I want to try to backtrack and explain a lot of times when I hear these discussion, the first thing we bring up is the church, but, and the church used to do this and the church used to do that. And the reason why the church isn't as influential is because the people are church. So if you do not go to church and participate in forming that organization or forming its reach outreach, there just aren't any people available for the church to do what it used to do because they don't have the numbers, right? A lot of people aren't going to church. And quite frankly, my opinion is social media has replaced church. More people are involved in social media. That has become their Bible, their gospel, their, their guideline for living, good or bad. And it's hard to form a true community through social media. So I think you've raised a, a good point, Francine. And that is... Um, we don't do social gatherings the way that we used to. Um, like every say everything is everything is online, and uh, you know, like I have three thousand friends on Facebook. Oh yeah, oh, how many people call you on a on Friday night and ask if you want to hang out? Oh wait, know how many? Yeah, like that's not the that's not the same. How many of those 3,000 people know your mom's name? And how many will hold you accountable? That's another thing, right? If you're not part of a friend group that's going to hold you accountable, because a lot of times the way we respond has to do with the circles that we keep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I say, uh, we, and I'm not saying like, the, I'm not saying like technology is the blame here. I'm right. simply saying you can't substitute one for the other. Um, there's a, there's a, I've talked about this a couple of times uh, throughout, like there's a little troubling trend, uh, especially like amongst men and been like, um, it was something like, something like 40% of uh, like men between the ages of like 25 and 17. Um, how many friends do you have? Zero. And it's like, well, let's say, well, well, why? And it was like, well, I, as I go to like I say I go to school and we talk online and like and then I like and I did my own thing and now I go to work and I talk online and we do our own thing you know like there's no 
human interaction. There's no going out and like I say, and like, and those are the things that like make friendships. Like you don't like you don't make friendships by like we just kind of you know privately message each other online. Like we don't say anything of any substance. You uh you make friends because you went out and you did I say you went out to the creek and one of you twisted your I say twisted your let ankle in like. Oh, on the rocks, and then someone carried you. Shared experiences, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the reason why. Like, and this is the next thing I was going to bring up. So it, it's, um, I I'm I'm both very glad and slightly annoyed, Alex, that you brought so many things up in my in my plan at once. Um, but I, that's the the importance of like community outreach. Um, because honestly, like a community that doesn't know each other won't care about each other. And ultimately what we need to do is get the community to care. Like that's the, that's the end goal, right? Like if community cares, like regardless of what you do and how you do it, um, things like these will happen less often, or if they do happen at all, they can more easily be thwarted. And so like, I know that COVID is a, a bit of a barrier. So I, I, understand that like large gatherings aren't always going to be successful, but I do believe that like a community cookout or like a local meet and greet at like a neutral space is going to probably be the best thing for it. And I think there's actually some truth to what you said as well about the church, Francine. Like I have been kind of indoctrinated to hate the church because of the life that I've lived as of right now. And I both understand and accept that. And so you're you're probably right. When people aren't attending, it's probably hard to make anything happen via the church. Um, I just know that lots of people have been looking for, well, I, I can't say lots of people, a lot of people in my life have been looking for ways to do what the church did without the presence of the church itself. Um, but that's probably a conversation for another day. Um, but basically, the the two things that I want to go ahead and like bring up that I think matter the most in this is that, like I said before, a community that doesn't know each other won't care about each other. And another thing that probably has to happen, and this may end up sparking some additional conversation, and I'm okay with that, but we also, like as a whole, need to be as a people need to be more involved in local politics. There are so many situations where like the things that are actually affecting you on a political level are happening at your like city county government. And you have no idea who your city county representatives are and other things along those lines. And I'm not saying you necessarily have to run for office, but like know who those people are, know what they care about. Um, lean on them, learn their phone numbers, emails, talk to them, write them letters. Like there's, there's lots of things that any one individual person can do, but as a community, we are capable of doing a whole lot more for ourselves and otherwise, if we work together. And that's only going to work if we care. Um, I want to also sort of insert while we're bringing this stuff up, it's, it's important to realize that we also just have to redefine, like you were mentioning, what community actually is. So even if you're hosting one of these events or you're attending one of these events, it's actually not doing you any good to invite a bunch of people who you agree with. That's actually not the point. That's actually not going to work at all. If that's all your cookout is, you'd be just don't bother having it. Like you're not doing anyone any good at all. You're just you're associating with the same people who you talk to online. This actually requires you to actually interact with people who you disagree with. It requires you to form bonds and bridges with people who you may otherwise never agree with on much of anything and to find something that you agree on, to do the hard work of getting to know a person and figure out the two or three things that you are aligned on and build a relationship on the strength of those two or three things, but also agree to not talk about the other stuff. And that seems completely at odds with what people want to do today. But like, look, you go, in order for your school to function, you and your neighbor have to have some sort of agreement on what the school is. So while you and your neighbor may agree on the school, you may have different politics. But in order to maintain that relationship, it actually means you can't talk about politics because it will destroy this relationship. And like, people are not comfortable with that anymore. We think, 
you should challenge people. You actually shouldn't challenge everyone all the time because people are going to disagree with you on a lot of stuff. And some relationships have to be maintained with the agreement. We don't actually talk about this thing that will break this relationship. Like, as you and I had mentioned, like, if you have a volleyball group, you go, this, this volleyball team is here to play volleyball. And if we start talking about politics, none of us get to play volleyball because we're going to all disagree. So do you want to play volleyball or do you want to do politics? But you can't do both. <laughs> so when we come in this door to train and practice, leave it at the door. You got like, leave it there. That's what it requires in some cases. So if you're going to do cookouts and you're going to do get togethers, invite people who you actually don't agree with, who you know you don't agree with. And yeah, 99% of them are going to attend. That's actually what's going to happen. Most of them are going to shut the door. You're never going to open your invitation. You're not going to show up. But one of them, one out of a hundred might. And that's all you actually need. And that's progress. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, because I think I was thinking about this as we were talking about the church. So it was the, the, the church was really good for bringing together people who already sort of had some like-minded stuff, but it was also part of a system where people who didn't have a like-minded stuff also interacted with one another. Right. So like you might like the old phrase that the church pews is the most segregated place on Sundays. Right. But maybe after Monday through Friday job, you run into a lot of other people. Like my dad has talked about when he used to work at Eli Lilly's, he said they had a softball team and he said, you know, so like the volleyball example, him and all, you know, these guys would get together. They'd play softball. I like their softball league. And he's like, and I got to know all the black guys who I was working with. And I got to sort of learn about their thing. Um, and Sundays they went their own ways. I guarantee you, my dad was not going to church with these black guys. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that is the case knowing my dad. And it's not what was happening, but he got to know Monday through Friday. And then they went their separate ways on Saturdays and Sundays, but that was enough. So um, some communities are built around bonding, internal bonding, like a community like Pointcast. This is an internal bonding thing for us. But some, some activities are bridging. So what would connect Pointcast to another group? That's bridging. So you have to have bonding internally and bridging for everybody else. We do a lot of bonding now. We do a lot of time talking to our internal communities, but we don't do any bridging anymore. Um, so like for hard, like what people, they're looking for hard answers, like host your cookout, but invite like 10 people who you definitely disagree with <laughs> and suck it up, like suck it up and be an adult. That's called adulting. Not arguing with people is called being an adult. Another aspect, especially when, when people are getting together, is to like remember that community building is a thing that takes time. Like as we talked about, there, if you invite a hundred people, you're probably gonna get five. And that's normal. And those five, if if they have a good enough time, are gonna come back. And you know what they can do? They can bring five more people, and then they can bring five more people, and that's how it works. It's always gonna start small. So if you choose to take something into your own hands and you start your own, whatever it's gonna be. Remember that if you get two or three people, that is a start. Just make sure that those two or three people are people that you care about. Make sure that you care about them. Yeah, or care about your community. I mean, my parents used to be a part of bowling leagues. We had neighborhood block parties. And as I grew up, I used to think that those things were, I didn't understand the point of them. Now we run into situations like this and we realize that's the point of them. The point is to, you know, we tend to care about people we care about, right? So if I see you and I know you want to train and I see you getting attacked, I care that you've gotten attacked and I want to help you. Or if that's been built into me because I have all these relationship ties, I'm going to care about somebody going through this. I would hate to go back to my friend group and say, oh my God, I saw this horrible thing and I did absolutely nothing. Could you imagine? So some of those things are just coming together. Church was a great vehicle when people go, I'm a church goer. I'm, I'm a believer. That's important for me. And one of the great things about the church that I go to is that I go to a very diverse church. We all don't, I'm sure we didn't all vote the same way. We don't all 
come to our faith in the same way, but we, we do church together. And then born out of that are other activities that some of us are doing together. And the old school bowling leagues and stuff are, I'm starting to see that happen a little bit more. I think some of this is happening because COVID has taught us that we need people. Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and, and that's, that's uh, if there's any wonderful side effect of COVID, that's one of them. So we have to engage. Long story short, we have to engage. Otherwise, things like it's easy to turn yourself off because you've been, you've been desensitized when it comes to caring about somebody else's welfare. Correct. Uh, yeah. And so I had four points. I'm going to go ahead and effectively wrap up those four points now so that way people understand effectively all what, what all this is going to say. TLDR, one, point number one, care about people. Point number two, build a community of anything. It could be a bowling league. It can be a soccer team. Literally just get people together of a thing that you guys like to do. And so many things can happen from that as long as it gets built. That's what matters. Two, build the community. Three, do stuff with that community. Talk to other groups. If you got a bowling league and a city over has a bowling league, have a competition. Talk to people. Bridge those gaps because that is how our communities grow by interacting with other communities. And four, it was the least talked about thing, but I think it's still important. Get involved in local politics. Those are my, those are my four step plan to fix America in some regard. That, those are my four things. So that's what I gotta say. I'm glad you guys were here to help me do it. But all that being said, this podcast has been brought to you in part by Yag Productions, a studio for podcasts and musicians, and of course, PointCast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you could also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on our Facebook page for more podcasts, articles, and polls like we talked about today. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you all at home for listening. We'll see you next time. Josh, out.